doesn't have a stolen base the entire season, so you're not going to run. You're not going to hit and run. you got to wait for a gapper. That is fair down the right field line. Giambi on his way to third, and they're going to wave him around. The throw misses a cutoff, man. Shot into the plate. Out of the plate. Derek Jeter with one of the most unbelievable plays you will ever see by a shortstop. Both cutoff men were missed. Jeter coming down the line, fielded with his bare hand, a shovel to Posada, and Giambi is out. What an unbelievable play by Jeter. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to SaberCast. This is episode three. Today is Saturday, January 25th, and we have a few topics that we're going to be diving into today. We're going to be talking about the Hall of Fame. I'll give my thoughts on Larry Walker and Derek Jeter being inducted. I'll give you my thoughts on who I thought should have made it to the Hall of Fame, or I will give you my ballot, if you will. And I will give you my predictions for next year's Hall of Fame class, who I think will get in in 2021. I will give you my thoughts on Marcelo Zuna signing with the Atlanta Braves on a one-year contract. I'll give my thoughts on Trevor Story re-signing with the Colorado Rockies to avoid arbitration, and what that means for Nolan Arenado. And I will give you a quick overview of my opinions on Luis Rojas being hired by the New York Mets. So without further ado, let's hop into my thoughts on who was inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Starting with Derek Jeter, he finished just one vote shy of being the second ever player unanimously inducted into the Hall of Fame. He had 99.7% of the votes, 396 out of 397 people put him on on their ballot. So if you take a look at Derek Jeter's career numbers, he had a 310 batting average, 377 on base, 440 slug. That adds up to an 817 OPS, which is not that great. He had a 360 WOBA, 119 weighted runs created plus, struck out at a clip of 14.6%, and walked at a rate of 8.6%. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Statistically, he was one of the worst defensive shortstops of all time. I think that it's a common misconception. People think that he was one of the best defensive shortstops of all time, but it is honestly quite the opposite if you take a look at the numbers. He had a negative 66.1 career ultimate zone rating and negative 152 defensive runs saved. So those are both the worst of all time, if I do recall, according to fan graphs. Both of those metrics are worst among all players to have ever played Major League Baseball, and he finished with a 73 career Fangraphs war. So, um, my thoughts on Jeter, I think that he is severely overrated by a lot of people. I don't think he's one of the best shortstops of all time. Well, I think he's one of the best shortstops of all time. I don't think he's one of the best players of all time. Um, if you just look at his stats, he was a tad above average um, offensively with the 119 way to runs created plus. Um, but that 817 OPS, it really just doesn't stand out. You know, 
you see a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame, their OPS is up over 900, and his is barely over 810. And, you know, put up a 73 career war. That's still pretty good. But compared to some guys who still aren't in the Hall of Fame and probably won't, like Barry Bonds, whose you know, war is up around 160, that's just crazy to think that Jeter, you know, if I had to guess, just based on his stats, I don't think Jeter deserved to get maybe 85% of the votes. I think he's lucky to have gotten 85%. Um, at that, I mean, he ended up obviously almost getting inducted unanimously, which would have been a crime if he would have, um, because he's just not that good. But um, he's still a Hall of Famer. He still had a Hall of Fame career. I'm glad he's in. Um, he's first ballot, so that's what everybody expected. And overall, I'm not upset that he's in the Hall of Fame. I would have been upset if he was unanimous, but uh, congrats to Jeter for being inducted. And the only other player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in his 10th year on the ballot, Larry Walker. Finally, the first Colorado Rocky to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He also spent some time with the Cardinals. He won an MVP. He ended up getting 76.6% of the votes, just enough to get over that 75% required to be into the Hall of Fame. And his stats, much better than Jeter's offensively. His defense was, I'd say, up to par. It wasn't anything special. Um, if you take a look at his numbers, he had a 313 career batting average, 400 career on base, 565 slugging. Those add up to a 965 career OPS, which is outstanding. Finished his career with a 412 Woba, 140 weighted runs created plus, struck out at a rate of 15.3%, and had an 11.4 walk percentage. Defensively, he was about average. He had a 0.9 career ultimate zone rating and a career two defensive run saved. And he ended his career with a 68.7 career fancrafts war. So, Walker is finally in. It was about time. I'm so glad that he got into the Hall of Fame. Very deserving. Um, I'm surprised it took this long. And hopefully this breaks through the barrier, I guess of people thinking that Rockies don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame because of the Coors effect, because the Coors effect is a very small part of the game of baseball. I don't think it's that important. Um, and Larry Walker, fantastic player. I'm so happy that he's into the Hall of Fame. It was about time that he got inducted, and his 10th year on the ballot was finally the year that he got in. So proud and so happy that he is in to the Hall of Fame, finally. And on MLB Network, in his interview after he got inducted, my man was wearing a SpongeBob SquarePants shirt. Because why not? When you're a Hall of Famer, you can wear whatever you want on TV. It was just so awesome to see him wearing that and just smiling on TV when he finally got the call that he was inducted. And uh, I am just so, so happy. In terms of who I thought should have been elected, or aka basically what my ballot was, I put seven guys on my ballot, put Barry Bonds, who ended up with 60.7% of the votes, Roger Clemens, who ended up with 61%, Todd Helton, who ended up with 29.2%, Derek Jeter, 99.7%, Scott Rowland, who criminally got 35.3% of votes. I don't know how that's even possible, because statistically he's better than 
Derek Jeter, who ended up almost getting unanimous, and Rowan got basically a third of what Jeter got. So I think that's stupid. Um, I think it's even more stupid that Omar Vizquel got more votes than Scott Rowland did when Omar Vizquel's career war, well, not just solely basing him off of war, but his career, Fangraph's war, was like 48. I mean, that's not a Hall of Famer. And then Vizquel ended up getting more votes than Scott Rowland. So very stupid in my opinion. Kurt Schilling ended up with 70% of the votes. He was on my ballot. And of course, Larry Walker, who ended up with 76.6%. So those are the seven that I chose to make it to the Hall of Fame, or those are the seven that I thought could have made it. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be very upset with me that I said Barry Bonds should be a Hall of Famer, Roger Clemens too, but in my opinion, Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player of all time. As of right now, it might end up being Mike Trout at the end of Trout's career, but as of right now, Barry Bonds, the greatest player of all time. Um, If you take a look at his numbers... Lifetime. I made a post on this recently on my Instagram page that got a lot of hate and criticism, but also a lot of people agreeing with me. So, very hot topic. Barry Bonds' career numbers are absolutely disgusting. He had a 298 career batting average, a 444 career on base, a career 607 slugging, a career 1051 OPS, 428 Woba, 173 weighted runs created plus. Walked at a rate of 20.3% and struck out at a rate of 12.2%. So a walk rate 8% higher than a strikeout rate. Very, 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 very good. Finished with 762 career home runs. The record. And a career 164.4 Fangraphs war second most of all time behind Babe Ruth, who played against fat, drunk men who threw 85 miles an hour right down the middle of the plate. So, Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. I don't care if he took steroids. Steroids don't do anything except improve your stamina and make recovery time from injuries shorter. They do nothing to improve your ability to hit the baseball. They do nothing to improve your mechanics. Some may say it improves the light of the ball off the bat I've seen people say that um disagree with that but um yeah Barry Bonds is a hall of famer you can't change my mind on that Barry Bonds is the greatest player of all time that may change in my mind once Mike Trout's career is over yeah as of right now I don't think Barry Bonds is going to end up getting into the hall of fame same thing with Roger Clemens both of them are around 61 percent of the vote with only two more years left, I don't see them increasing 14% each over the next two years. I don't think that the opinions of the writers will change that much in two years to where they will let them in the Hall of Fame in two years. So I don't think they'll end up making it, which I think is very stupid. Um, steroids or not, they're two of the greatest players to ever play the game. Bonds and Clemens, that is. Um I think they should both be in the Hall of Fame. For my predictions for who's going to make it next year, the first ballot guys for next year are very, very, very weak. Um, you take a look at some of the names. Shane Victorino, Tim Hudson, Barry Zito. These aren't Hall of Fame guys in my opinion. I know some of you may think that they are Hall of Fame guys, but they're just not if you look at their numbers. The only guy I think I can see getting in next year will be Kurt Schilling. 
who ended up with 70% of the vote. If you take a look at his career numbers, a 3.46 ERA, a 3.23 FIP, 3.17 XFIP, 4.38 strikeouts per walk, 3.13 Sierra, and a 79.8 career Fangraphs war. Those are Hall of Fame numbers. Schilling is one of the greatest pitchers of all time, statistically. I don't care how much of a jerk he is. I don't care how much of a bad person he is, in your opinion. I don't think that should have anything to do with whether or not they're a good enough baseball player to make it into the Hall of Fame. And if you take a look at his statistics, Kurt Schilling is one of the best pitchers of all time and should make it into the Hall of Fame That's just my opinion. That's the only guy I can see getting in next year with the weak class. And yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Oh, and by the way, Roland better make it in eventually. And that's not just because I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm not just being a homer. But Scott Roland was a better player than Derek Jeter. I think if Scott Roland and Derek Jeter switched teams, if if Scott Roland was a Yankee, and played on all those championship teams, Scott Rowland would be in the Hall of Fame by now. But that's not the case. The Captain Jeter almost got inducted unanimously, which is stupid in my opinion, but Rowland ended up getting only 35% of the votes, even more stupid than Jeter almost getting 100% of the votes. So that was my little rant. Not really a rant, but closing thoughts on the entire Hall of Fame subject. Let's move on to Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna signed a one-year deal with the Atlanta Braves worth $18 million, just $200,000 more than the qualifying offer that the St. Louis Cardinals offered him to stick around in St. Louis for another year. If you take a look at Ozuna's numbers over the past two years, 2018 and 19, a 262 batting average, 328 on base, 454 slug, a 782 OPS, a 332 Woba, 109 weighted runs created plus, strikes out at a clip of 19.2%, and walks at a clip of 8.7%. Not a bad defender. He's averaging 4.9 UZR a season and 5 DRS a season over the past two years. And over the past two years, he has put together a 5.4 Fangraphs war. So, right when this happened... I was very, very upset because as a Cardinals fan, you read that headline, Ozuna has gone to the Braves, and you just think our best offensive player from last year just went to one of the only other contending teams in the National League. And that hurts right when you see that and think that. But now after that dust has settled and you take a look at things, and once I've taken a look at Ozuna's stats over the last two years, he's really replaceable. I mean, you're looking for a guy, if you're the Cardinals, that can replace Ozuna, who put up in his time in St. Louis a 782 OPS, a 109 weighted runs created plus, a decently above average-ish defender, but when you watch him, he sucks. Ozuna, that is. The Cardinals definitely have guys that can replace him. And to pay him almost $20 million a year, yeah, I'm glad he declined the qualifying offer. We get a pick out of it, too. 
We have guys like Tyler O'Neill that can step in. Lane Thomas that can step in. You know, Tommy Edmond can play the outfield. Dylan Carlson's going to be up at some point this year. Marcelo Zuna is 100% replaceable for this Cardinals team. The Cardinals don't need Marcelo Zuna. And I'm glad that he didn't accept a deal with us because he'd be under our payroll. We'd be paying him $20 million a year to put up those stats. I know his expected stats are much better than his stats over the past two years, which is part of why it hurt more to see him go. But in hindsight, Marcelo Zuna's numbers over the past two years, you can find a guy that can replace him. Tyler O'Neill can put up a 120 weighted runs created plus. He can put up an 850 OPS over the next two years. He's a good defender. He's fast. The Cardinals definitely have pieces that can replace Marcelo Zuna in the outfield. All right, that was just my little rant as a Cardinals fan. Let's move on to the Brave side of things. So obviously the Braves lost Donaldson to the Twins last week, not this past week, the week before. A four-year deal for Donaldson to go to Minnesota. And that was the big bat in the middle of their order besides Freeman. So that top four in their order was Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Donaldson. Donaldson out. They're bringing in Ozuna, who I assume will be their new cleanup hitter. I think it's a pretty good move. I think that the Braves are still showing, you know, we won the division last year. We ended up getting bounced in the first round by St. Louis. So let's take their best bat from last year and show that we are still contenders. I think it's a pretty good move for Atlanta. Low risk, high reward. It's only a one-year contract. Depending on how things work out or how the Braves do, I could see Ozuna signing an extension mid-season or after the season. I could see him staying in Atlanta. Or I could see him going somewhere else. Like if his defense goes down, I could see him going somewhere in the American League where he could DH. So pretty interesting move. If you look at it from both sides, from the Cardinals losing him and from the Braves gaining him. Um, but now his sweepstakes are over. And Nick Castellanos is now the biggest outfielder name on the market still. Followed by, I guess, Yasiel Puig. Also a couple days ago, Trevor Story signed a two-year contract extension with the Colorado Rockies. Worth $27.5 million over those two years total. If you take a look at his stats over the past two years, he's had a 293 batting average, a 356 on base, 561 slug, and a 917 OPS, a 382 Woba, a 125 weighted runs created plus. He does strike out a lot, 26.1% strikeout rate. Um, that's a bit of a concern. He walks at a rate of 8.0%. And he is pretty elite defensively, I'd say. One of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Over the past two years, he has put up an average of 3.2 UZR a season. And over the past two years, he has put together a collective 18 defensive runs saved and a 10.9 Fangraphs war. In my opinion, he is either the best or second best shortstop in baseball. Him and Lindor are pretty interchangeable off the top of my head. I'd have to dive deeper into stats to give my definitive opinion on that. So the Rockies lock him up for two more years. That will, I think, keep him a Rocky until he is unrestricted. I think these were Arbiers that just got taken away with this extension. Yeah, this was his fourth year in the league. 
So he has two more years. Yeah, the two-year contract. So he will be a unrestricted free agent at the end of these two years. And the bigger picture surrounding this deal is Nolan Arenado. Could this deal mean that the Rockies are solidifying story as their guy and moving on from Nolan Arenado, who has had a lot of drama surrounding him and the Rockies' general manager recently? It was recently reported by Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post and then retweeted by Jeff Passan that Nolan Arenado reportedly felt disrespected by their general manager's actions of, you know, the trade talks and then saying that they're taking him off the trade block. And apparently Arenado felt, quote, disrespected by more than just the trade talk, which he didn't elaborate on. He just left it at that. So, this, <laughs> things are getting juicy, I guess. As a Cardinals fan, this is very interesting to see. We are the team that is reportedly in on him the most or have been in talks with the Rockies the most about things. And if he is not liking the way that the Rockies are being run or that the way that the general manager is handling things and he wants out of Colorado, could we see Arenado come into St. Louis? I don't know. I recently gave some of my thoughts on that on my Instagram at Cards Network. In more news surrounding Arenado to the Cardinals, Nolan Arenado would reportedly waive his no-trade clause to come to St. Louis per John Heyman. Now, I don't know if he would waive his no-trade clause to go to any other teams. Um, I didn't look into that. But I know that he would to come to St. Louis, which is pretty big news. In my opinion, we could see Arenado coming to the Cardinals, which would replace Ozuna by a mile. We've gone over Arenado's stats either last episode or the episode before. I don't remember. But Arenado, one of the best third basemen in baseball. Could we see him going to St. Louis with all these rumors and drama and the Rockies re-signing story to make him their guy? Things are definitely heating up. I would say that for the next couple weeks, this is a situation to definitely keep an eye on. The final thing I want to kind of talk about here, just for a little bit to wrap things up, Luis Rojas, hired by the Mets to be their new manager after the parting of ways with Carlos Beltran amongst all of the drama with the Astros scandal. So Luis Rojas is in. I think it's a pretty good move. They stayed in-house. They didn't go out and get a manager from another team. They just stayed with a guy already in their organization who I've heard the players like. I've heard that, you know, guys like Alonzo, Stroman, Nemo, all these guys that are at the core of the Mets do like Luis Rojas and are happy that he's the manager. Um, I don't have too much knowledge of him in previous years, but... Seems like a pretty good deal, and the Mets have their manager now. It's not Carlos Beltran, but it is Luis Rojas. So I think that's going to do it for me for episode three. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of me giving my Hall of Fame thoughts, my thoughts on Marcelo Zuna as a Cardinals fan, and then coming from the Braves' perspective also. 
my thoughts on the Trevor Story extension and what that means for Nolan Arenado, and then my thoughts on Luis Rojas, even though those thoughts were pretty brief. I hope this episode ends up being longer than last episode, which was roughly 15 minutes. That is not the quality of episode that I want to turn out. I want these to be in-depth, longer, my opinions on what's going on around baseball. Hopefully, once we get closer to the season, more things will pick up. Maybe Arnado will be dealt in the next week, and we will talk about that next week, but maybe Castellanos will sign somewhere before next weekend. So yeah, lots to look forward to as spring training approaches. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate the support. Check out our Instagram over at SaberCastPod. That is SaberCastPod on Instagram. If you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel like and comment some feedback or some suggestions that you might have if you are listening on itunes or spotify or any other platform thank you for the listen i appreciate it and i will talk to you guys next week